Well, what's up, Porch? How are we doing tonight? Hey, it is, uh, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the Porch. If this is your first time ever with us, I'm so thankful that you're trusting us with your Tuesday night. I hope that this place feels like home uh, very quickly. I do want to give a quick shout out to all of the Porch Live locations that are watching online right now, like you, Porch Live Tulsa, Porch Live Midland, Porch Live Atlanta is watching tonight, which is amazing. This is such a great night to be at the porch. I'm so glad that you made it. Uh, and it, it's going to be amazing, and it already has been amazing, but I'm so glad that you're going to get to hear from my friend Louis Giglio, Giglio tonight. Sorry, Louis. Uh, Louie and his wife Shelly are here with us from Atlanta, and uh, they have been really shaping forces in my life and in my wife's life for, for years now. And so it's such a joy to get to have him here at Watermark and at the porch to invest in you. If you're not familiar uh, with Louie, he is truly one of the greatest visionaries and communicators of our day. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a passion conference. Anyone been to a passion conference before? Yeah, uh, the passion conference back in 2000. I don't know what you were doing in 2000. You were like four back then. Some of you are like, no, I was one. Okay, anyway, that's fine. That was the first time that I actually lifted my hands in worship. I was like, I'm going to do it like... If I do it, there's no turning back, but let's just go for it. And I just was full extension, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm a hand raiser now because that's the impact that passion has. But on a serious note, um, back in 1997, a movement was birthed. And since that time, every year, tens of thousands of young adults have gathered together for one purpose, and it's to lift up the name of Jesus. And so it just makes perfect sense uh, for Louie and the Passion team to be with us here at the porch tonight. Because if you don't know why we exist, we exist to call any and every young adult to see Jesus and to surrender fully to life with him. And Passion exists for the name and the renown of Jesus Christ. And what I'm so thankful for is the fact that the message has never wavered since 1997. And so my hope tonight is that you would see Jesus clearly, that you would surrender fully to life with him, and that the Spirit of God would do a great work in your life as you hear Louis teach the Word of God. So would you do an incredible job of just welcoming Louis Giglio tonight? Nobody wants to see this, Shelley said. Okay, I'm going to preach with one hand, which I can do, and it'll be awesome. I was saying how much I love TA and how much excited I am that we're here. It's 57 days, if I can get that woohoo one more time, um, until Passion 2024. And I'm telling you, we've been doing this 27 years. And it's never the same. It's not routine. It's not an event. It's not a conference. It's not a thing. It really, truly is wind of God. And um, we're going to be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's one of the most amazing football stadiums aside from the one over there in, in the world. And it's going to be jammed with 18 to 25-year-olds going after Jesus. And so one of the reasons why we're here tonight is we're knocking on doors all over America. 
because we want to invite everybody we can to be a part of this gathering. A lot of you are like, hey, hello, past 25 a minute ago, so thanks for coming. Um, but you can still be a part. Uh, we need hundreds more door holders to come alongside of us. Uh, we need people to pray for us. Uh, you could provide a scholarship for an 18 to 25-year-old who can't quite get over that hurdle this year. There's a lot of ways you can get involved, and if you're 18 to 25, you have to be there. You're like, our family is going skiing. I don't care. Cancel it. Tell them I can't come. Uh, my knee went out. I mean, it doesn't matter what's on the radar. These are moments that you can't get back in time, and I don't know how many of them there'll be in life. Uh, we've been in a few stadiums a few times, but um, it's beautiful, it's rare, it's amazing. And it was worth me coming to Dallas TA tonight just to knock on the door of the porch and uh, hope somebody opened the door and say, come to Passion. You won't regret it. In fact, it'll change your life, and there's 27 years of history to back that up. Anybody had their life changed at a passion gathering in any way, shape, or form somewhere along the way? Anybody in this room? Can I just see a hand? Okay, there's a few hands across the room. Uh, it's powerful and amazing. The second reason that Shelly and I came to the porch tonight is because I have a message for somebody. And I have a stirring in my heart. And the key thing, I mean, T.A. is going to amen this really good and loud. We don't preach our stirrings and we don't preach our impressions. We preach God's word. But we get stirrings and we get impressions. And so I like to share my stirrings and impressions as simply that, a stirring, an impression. But I'm going to preach the word of God tonight. But I have a stirring alongside the word of God tonight. And it is a word for somebody. And it might be one of you guys in Midland. And it is a, it's a word for somebody who has known in your life that God had a purpose for you. It was clear. It was not arbitrary. It wasn't something that you kind of dreamed up. You knew God had spoken over your life. You are on purpose. You have a mission. You have a destination. But here you are in this moment right now and your ship is going down. It is falling apart, it is busting at every corner, and it is going down tonight. And you are going, I thought I was going somewhere with God on purpose, but right now it pretty much looks like I'm going down to the bottom of the sea. And I came here tonight with a message for you from the Word of God. Lord, I pray tonight that you would speak to all of us in this room but especially to the person who just got sweaty palms in this moment and knows that somehow the God of heaven knows that they are in the room right now. Holy Spirit, would you stir this word up like Mel was praying? Will you set it on fire tonight again, one more time to move in our hearts? Nobody in this room, including me, needs to hear anything that I think or have to say. But everyone in this room, including me, needs to hear from you. So I'm trusting you again to move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question tonight is how would life be different for you if you knew that you had everything you need? If just in the snap of a finger tonight you knew I've got everything I need, for my life, for me, and for my situation, and for the future, I got everything I need. How would life be different for you? 
The text tonight is found in Acts 27. It's a story that if you've been around church, you're sort of familiar with, maybe not all the fine details because a doctor is recording these journeys of, in this case, the Apostle Paul, and he's very, very detailed. And so there is a lot of geography and a lot of detail in this story that we're gonna look at tonight. And what I love about it is all the geography is real and you can go to all these places and you can trace the steps that we're reading about tonight. This isn't some ancient storybook. This is real and this story happened in the real world. And in the midst of this story, Paul, one of the leaders of the new church after the resurrection of Jesus is on his way to Rome. He's been arrested in Jerusalem. He's been falsely accused, but he's appealed to his rights as a Roman citizen to go and stand trial in Rome. So he's on his way to Rome and he wants to ultimately stand before the most powerful man in the world at this point. He wants to stand in front of Caesar. And this is the call that's on his life. But they set out to sail at a bad time of year. They got caught up in this massive storm and things are going sideways in a hurry. It says in verse 20, verse 20 of chapter 27 that neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. You ever been there before? where it's just been pile on after pile on, train wreck after train wreck, unanswered prayer after unanswered prayer. And finally you said, there's no way out of this situation. We are not gonna make it through this. Verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And then the, the little header in between the verses before the next verse in my Bible says the shipwreck. And the next whole section is all about the running aground and throwing everything overboard and the ship breaking apart and people ultimately having to fend for themselves and swim to the shore. But they all do and all 276 of them make it to shore. The ship is trashed, but the people make it to shore. And the, the thing that Paul is confident of is an angel has appeared to me and the angel has given me a message tonight. And the message he's given me is you're gonna stand before Caesar. Why was that the message? The message should have been here. Here's jump off the right side, uh, swim to the left because it's going to be early morning and dark. Um, here, here's the survival tips that you need. No, the word to him was you're going to not die and you're going to make it to Caesar. What was he saying? He was saying the first thing that I want us to hear tonight from God, you're going to make it to the destination that God has appointed for your life. 
Not one amen for that. Hello? Are we all together here? You're going to make it to the appointed destination that God has for your life. There's so many people in this place tonight, and your ship is going down, and maybe God's not going to stop that. Maybe there is going to be a shipwreck, and God isn't going to, you know, intervene in that part of the story. But what he's wanting to speak to us tonight is that we're going to make it where God has sent us to accomplish what God has appointed us to do. All the way back in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul was on his way to wipe out some Christians. He was a hater of the way of Jesus. But he met Jesus while he was on, this, on the way to this town to persecute the followers of Jesus. And he had a vision of Jesus and he got saved and changed and transformed. And he also got blinded by the very presence of Jesus when he saw him. And so he got led by the hand into this town nearby where he was going. And uh, God spoke to a, a believer in that town and said, hey, I need you to go to this place over here because Saul of Tarsus is over there and I need you to pray for him. And the, and the man was like, there's no way I'm going to go pray for Saul because he's killing all of us. And then the Lord said in verse 15 to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. In other words, this, this mission, this calling, this purpose, this incredible act of God to invite Paul into the story wasn't going to be easy. There was going to be some suffering in the journey. And one of the suffering moments we're looking at right here in chapter 27, there have been a whole lot worse suffering moments along the way. You say, why was there so much suffering? Because the enemy hated the message of Jesus and tried to kill it from day one, and leading voice for it from the beginning was this guy. So he ran into the darkness everywhere he went. He ran into opposition everywhere he went because he was preaching the gospel everywhere that he went. But what did Paul, what did God say to Ananias? This man is my chosen instrument, and I got a purpose for him. He's going to preach to the Gentiles and to their kings. In other words, he's going to the top. And not even a two-week storm where neither sun nor moon has been seen is going to stop my mission to get him to Caesar. And whatever's happening in your life might be real tonight. And I'm not trying to put us all on the ship. You know, good preaching isn't, okay, we're all on our boat right now and here's nine ways to survive a storm on your boat when you're at sea. That's not good preaching. The message of this story is not that we're on a ship. The message of this story is that even shipwrecks don't wreck God. And there have been a lot of shipwrecks in the story, right? And the enemy wants to define you by the two weeks of no sun, no moon. He wants to define you by... I told you, you shouldn't have gone that way. He wants to define you by, hey, I, I told you when we left port in Crete, this was a bad idea. But, oh, you decided we were going to go anyway. All that's real. But here's the thing. God is greater than that. And if you trust him tonight, if you turn to him tonight, he'll still put you back on course. It may not be without the loss of the ship, but he will save you. He'll save you. And he'll move you in 
to purpose. A lot of, a lot of you thought you were going to be somewhere else about this point in life, and you're not quite where you thought you were going to be yet. Some of you are right where you thought you were going to be. Some of you had no idea where you were going to be and still don't have any idea where you were going to be. You're just hoping at some point tonight God will maybe say this is where you're going to be. But I'm telling you, all of us right now are in a position to say to God, I believe you. And I believe that you will and are accomplishing your purpose for me. I trust you to put my life on the course of your purpose and your plan. Man, that's a powerful, powerful word. I, I, I was asking the question earlier, how would life be different for you if you knew you had all you need? You know, somebody's probably going to read this. I was reading this a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, well, hello. If I had an angel of the Lord whose I am and whom I serve appear to me in the middle of the night in my storm and talk to me and remind me and tell me and encourage me and convince me, yeah, I'd probably be a little more courageous too. I would probably have a little more confidence also if an angel came in the middle of the night. Well, here's point number two tonight. You have way more encouragement than an angel visit in the night. You're like, man, if an angel ever showed up at my house, I'm telling you what, things would be different. My attitude would be different. My mind would be right. I would have a lot more peace and a lot more confidence and a lot more boldness in God. I would talk different, act different, encourage the people around me different. I would completely be different if an angel showed up. Well, what if... An angel didn't show up, but what if God, by his sovereign will, put his words, thoughts, plans, and promises for you in writing so that you would have them inspired and living by the Spirit of God for every single moment of your life. And he handed it miraculously to you over centuries of per preservation and said, here, I want you to know what I think about you. Could you just come just for a second right there on the aisle? My, my friend right on the third aisle with the, the, the dark jacket. Yeah, could you come just for a second? You have an earpiece in. You're doing something official. Go back to your seat. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll go with the Baylor uh, young lady right in front of you. <laughs> easy, easy. Easy. It's been a rough season. It's been a rough year. By the way, hi, can you just hang on just for one second? I'm, I'm not going to make you stay in there long. In fact, I'm not making you stay in there. You don't have to stay in there if you don't want to. But if you could just for like 30 more seconds, it would be awesome. Um, speaking of Baylor, um, that's where I met my wife. She was a Baylor student when we met. She was, we met in Houston, but I, um, I ended up going to grad school there. And so we lived in Waco for a while. So I just wanted to announce, I forgot to do this earlier, what a wonderful time of year it is in, in Dallas, Texas. Because, A, you won the World Series. Thank you very much. But, but, but greater news than that, it's currently 77, 77 degrees outside. It, it is almost UG weather in Dallas, Texas. Couple more degrees and UGs are everywhere. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if Waco probably not down to 77 yet. 
Anyway, I, I'll, I'm sorry I'm making you stand there. It's as if God was saying to you, I want you to know what I think about you. I want you to know where you came from. I want you to know where you're going. I want you to know what you can count on. I want you to know what you can depend on. I want you to know where to look. I want you to know who's holding you. I want you to know everything. I, I, I made that for you. That's me. For you. Do you understand? Thank you so much. She's like, are you giving me your Bible? And, and we just kind of, you know, we're struggling. And, and a lot of us are hoping that something miraculous happens. Like we need an angel to show up. And God is like, I... I mean, I've never had an angel show up and tell me anything. But I've had God speak to me. I was asking, what was I asking earlier? How would your life be different if you knew you had all you needed? This St. Paul made it through this storm. He made it to where he wanted to go. He got to Rome, got to preach the gospel there, got to appeal to the highest authority, got his message to the center of humanity at that time. And then he died for the faith that he believed in, in Jesus. But he had written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, letters to believers all over Asia Minor. And they're in the word of God. And so when you just turn a few pages over from where this ship is falling apart and going down to the bottom of the sea, when you're thinking, man, life can get crazy. It can get crazy. But this guy on this ship has such a calling on his life that a few pages later we're in Romans chapter 8. And this is what we're reading in verse 15. This is God speaking to you, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Hello, we get to speak to Yahweh on intimate terms and call him Abba. Why? Because we have received a new spirit. And it is not the spirit of nobodies. It is not the spirit of forsaken. It is not the spirit of unwanted. It is not the spirit of, of forgotten. It is not the spirit of not good enough. It is the spirit of sonship and daughtership whereby our spirit now calls Yahweh Abba, Father. This is crazy. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed 
we share in his sufferings, we're going to have some shipwrecks too for the gospel in order that we may also share in his glory. And we know a few verses down that in all things God works. Can we just say that together? And we know that in, let's just try it together. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. I'll read on now. Who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with his own son, graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? A few verses down, Paul keeps writing. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or shipwreck or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, you For your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, the present or the future, nor powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, I just wish an angel would come and encourage me. If, If only an angel would come. And say what? Say what? If, if just an angel would show up and, and, and if he did, he would probably say, have you seen this stuff in Romans 8? <laughs> so Paul swims ashore and they all, they all make it, 276 of them. In verse 1 of the next chapter, kind of winding down. It says, went safely on shore. We found out that the island was called Malta. Anybody been to Malta? It's a real travel opportunity there for anybody who's got a business going, trips to Malta. There's one hand back there for real. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Just checking. I just wanted to make sure that we know this is a real place. I was nervous for a minute, but it is a real place. One person has been there. (laughs) The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, now this just creeps me out just even reading it. This wasn't like an attack bite, bam, bam. This thing stuck on his hand and is hanging on his hand. That's like traumatizing, 
Not only did something bite me, but now the thing that bit me is clamped down on my hand and hanging there. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Justice being one of their gods. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. That's not a really good fate, is it? One of those two options. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now this, again, I don't want to read too much into this text, but I think we can mine out of this text right here and right now. Don't put too much weight in other people's opinions. Because the same people who thought you were a demon now think you're a god. People who were against you five minutes ago are for you right now. I think you need to put your hope in what God thinks about you and not in what people think about you. But what I want to bring out of this text is that when you're convinced, you start shaking more things off. Remember we were in Romans 8 just a minute ago and it says, but we are convinced. Not of, uh, you know, gentle opinion, but we're convinced. And I want to ask tonight at the porch, is anybody convinced tonight? Paul, in a different place, in a different letter, said that, that he persuaded men. And that's what I do. That's what I'm doing right now. And I'm good at it. I've been doing it almost all my life. God has wired me up to be a good persuader. But I can't convince anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So I'm persuading but the Holy Spirit has to do the convincing. And we need more convinced people. You're like, convinced of what? Convinced of the reality that God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for my life. And no matter what has come against me, God can still fulfill his purpose for me. And even if I'm in two weeks of no moon, no sun, that doesn't mean God isn't at work. And it doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan anymore. It just means right now I got to hold on to the promise that I got from him for my life, that he isn't going to be overwhelmed by the situation. He is going to complete the purpose for which he has sent me out. You believe that tonight? Are you convinced of that tonight? And are you convinced of who he is? And are you convinced of who you are? Are you convinced of what he promised you, what he said to you? Because I believe this message should be called enough is enough. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, how much more does God need to do? How much more does he need to say? He has lifted you out of the miry clay. You weren't bad, you were dead. And he breathed on you by the grace of Jesus Christ and brought you back to life again. You are living eternal spiritual life. He didn't just give you a pat on the back. He changed you from sinful to holy and gave you the gift of his righteousness so that we are robed right now in the righteousness of Christ. And we have the mind of Christ and the word of Christ and the truth of Christ. And we have the light of Christ for every single step. He gave you a new name. He called you by 
a new name. He called you daughter of the king, daughter of God, daughter of Yahweh, daughter of Adonai. He called you wanted and chosen and sought after and pursued and beautiful and precious and valuable and purposed and anointed. He called you by a new name and he put you in a family. You are not just some appendage over here in the kingdom. You have a seat at the table of almighty God. You have an audience with the king. You can go in at three in the morning and say anything you want to the God of the universe. And he filled you with his spirit. So you didn't have to walk around going, okay, I got to pull this off. No, he said, I want to put in you a spirit that can pull everything off. And he didn't tell you to try harder. He said, die to you because I'm, I'm going to put someone better than you in you. His name is Jesus Christ. And none of us can live the Christian life if you haven't figured that out yet. But Jesus can. He's so good at it. They named it after him. How much more do you need God to do? He preserved you. When evil came against you and when evil came from you. In the pain of it all, in the brutal of it all, in the broken of it all, in the darkness of it all, he brought you through it all. And the enemy said to you, you will not survive, but you did. The enemy said, you will not make it, but you did. The enemy said, you will not live, you will die, but you didn't die and you're living now and he's giving you breath. The word says he gives all things life and breath and everything else. And he's promised you that he can't be thwarted if you put your life in his hands. And I, heaven forbid that I'm going to bring Taylor Swift into this talk. <laughs> but you're a part of a generation that needs to know that you have way more authority than you think you do. If you're under authority, remember that story of Jesus and the centurion's servant, the servant was dying with the centurion, was a man of faith. And he said, ultimately through the messengers to Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. He said, I'm a man under authority. I get authority and I know you've got authority. So all you have to do is say the word. And if you say the word, my servant will be healed. And I don't know whether you're under authority tonight, but when you're under authority, you have authority. And when you get under God's authority, you can take authority. And you can tell the darkness, not here. And I, again, am not trying to read too far into this text. But a lot of us in this room right now have stuff hanging on our hand that we need to, in Jesus' name, shake off. I'm not saying that we don't need help, friends, accountability, counseling, mentorship, process, 
healing. I'm not speaking against any of that. But I'm saying right here in this moment tonight, some of you have got authority to shake things off of your life in Jesus' name right here and right now. You don't need a process. You just need to wake up to the fact that this thing that came out of the fire is going back in the fire tonight because I am on a mission. I am called by God. I am chosen and anointed by God. And I have authority in the name of the one whose authority I'm under tonight. And I'm telling you, Dread, get off of me. In Jesus' name, get off of me. All these crazy desires of the flesh, get off of me. And I think the mentality sometimes that we have is, oh my gosh, a, a viper has come out of the fire. Do you guys see this? Are, is everybody looking at this? Do you realize what has happened to me? Did you understand how grave of a situation I'm in right now? And Paul didn't have a second thought. He was like, well, heck, that's not great. Wham, and now the viper is in the fire. I don't know if it squirmed out and through the people or if it just instantly got... Landed, landed in the wrong, wrong spot and just crinkled up and died. But Paul didn't have time for it. He got a message from God, you're going to Rome. You ain't dying on a fire in Malta. You're not dying from a snake bite on a remote island in the Mediterranean. You are going to appear before Caesar. You're going to Rome. Uh, this is not Rome. Get off. Are you convinced of who's and who you are? And are you convinced of the power of the name that you bear? And is there something tonight that you can speak to you don't need a pastor to take authority over it. You need to take authority over it. You don't need your small group to take authority for you. You need to take authority. You don't need another coffee. You don't need two more lattes. You need to take authority over it and say, get off of me. And you may need to say, get off of me every hour for the next 45 days or 45 months, but you won't relent and you will stand in that authority and you will say, get off of me. Does anybody, I don't know if this is a fair question or not, have a tattoo? We're not gonna do show and tell, by the way, just in case you were nervous about that. Could you just hold your hands up again really high? I just like to see this because I'm trying to take a real quick snapshot. And how many people do not have a tattoo of any kind? Can I see a show of hands? Oh man, there's a beat down on the no tattoos over the tattoos. Can I see the tattoo people just one more time? <laughs> Keep your hand up. TA has no tattoos. Not even one that says the porch. I thought you'd have the porch across your back. <laughs> watermark on the front. Breakaway down one leg. What's the dog's name? Revelry? Is that the dog's name? Why, am I, why do I think that's the dog's name? Is that the dog's name? Close enough. Revelry. Isn't that what I said? Okay. Revel, Revelry. Sorry. Revelry. Revelry. Down. Anyway. 
Thank you. Some of you still have your hand up. I appreciate that. I respect it. That is a proud, tattooed man right there. He is still <laughs> hanging in there. Um, if you ha could you put him up one more time? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm closing right here. If, you, if you're happy about your tattoo still, could you keep it up? Because I need to know, because I know some people be, be like, yeah, I went with Marie and I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay, you can put him down now. When you get a tattoo, either two things have happened, three things have happened. Either one, you've been incredibly pressured by the people around you. Like, we're all getting it. <laughs> we're never coming back to Malta, so we're getting a tattoo while we're here. <laughs> all of us. All right. Or you are intoxicated and found out about the tattoo a little bit later after it was done, or you are as convinced as a human being can be. And you said, put it on there. <laughs> it ain't coming off. I'm not gonna second guess it. It's gonna be there on my wedding day. It's going to be there. Oh, man, that is terrible. I had blood taken yesterday. That is awful. <laughs> I just saw that. Oh, my word. And the snake, when it came out, it got me, like, right there. It's going to be there when you're 70. You were convinced And I want to pray the spirit, T.A., of the tattoo right now. That the Holy Spirit will write on somebody with indelible ink that cannot be removed. And you will leave this room and you will say, I am convinced put it on my arm I want it on my neck I want to be a raging believer in the faith of God right here on my neck I want to scare people before I lead them to the Lord put it right here And I pray that God would do that. Because can I just say it one more time? Enough is enough. He can't save you anymore. He cannot raise you any higher. He cannot seat you at any more grand of a seat. He cannot give you any more of himself. And he can't call you new any more than the new he has already called you. So let's stop waiting for the angel in the night. And let's rise up in the authority that is Jesus.
So I wanna pray over anybody at any location who doesn't just feel a little stirring tonight, but you feel a tattoo tonight, a very specific word of God coming onto you. And you know when you wake up in the morning, it's still gonna be there. Because it didn't come from some preacher, didn't come from somebody, God spoke it into and onto you. And it's time to shake it off and let God write something new on you. God, give us grace tonight to just trust you. If that's you tonight, I just invite you to stand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. God's spoken something on me tonight. There's a tattoo that came clearly from God onto my life tonight, and I'm receiving it, standing in it, believing it, agreeing with it. Somebody in Midland or Atlanta or some other live location. Beautiful. Anybody else? I just want to stand into the truth that God is speaking to me tonight. And where I have felt weak and unempowered, I, I sense that God is giving me the power that I need to trust what he's doing and saying is true over me. My ship may go to the bottom of the sea, but God still has a destination for me. Anybody else, before we pray, a few people are trickling up just as time goes by. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Beautiful. Anybody way up in the top? Thank you. Yeah, way up here. All across up there. Thank you. Beautiful. God, I just want to speak Jesus into every story, every situation, into every battle. I speak Jesus. We speak Jesus. I invite you, if you're standing, just to speak Jesus into whatever it is and receive what he's saying to you. God, we speak the name that is power. And no hype, just belief that at the name of Jesus, things move and change. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, we come around them in faith, asking you to lift their faith tonight to believe what you are speaking to them.
God, indelibly mark us tonight with words of truth. This is our prayer and this is our hope in the mighty name that is above all names. In the name of Jesus, this is our hope and prayer.